Under the Texas Sky is brought to you in part by Toyota, a proud supporter of Texas parks and wildlife programs. Toyota, let's go places. Back in grade school, I couldn't wait to get home to watch Batman. Sure, it was more or less a comedic look at detectives and crime fighting, but there was a certain mystique about Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. They had all of this scientific equipment in a bat cave. This fascinated me, and any time my family went on vacation, I always asked if we could include a cave visit on the itinerary. Longhorn Cavern State Park is just a few miles outside the town of Burnett in the Texas Hill Country. It was one of my first experiences in a cave, and the first time I saw bats in person. How could they hang upside down, way up on the ceiling of the cave? I thought it was the coolest thing. On the Wonder List, TBW Magazine editor Louis Bond and I are talking bat emergencies and some of the best places to see them in Texas. And we'll answer some of your questions about bats submitted via our Instagram account last week. Stay with us. From Texas Parks and Wildlife, this is Under the Texas Skies Wander List. I'm Randall Maxwell, and visiting with us by phone is Texas Parks and Wildlife Magazine editor Louis Bond. Well, Louis, this episode of Wander List is about bat emergences. This wander list in the October 2019 issue of Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. We got a lot of questions on our Instagram account this time about bats. You know, Randall, they ask so many great questions. I think we can just spend the whole episode answering those questions. I agree. Let's get right to it, Louie. Our first Instagram question is from Abigail D. Piotrowski, and it's where can we go to see the bats? Well, the bats we see in these great dramatic bat emergences, um, they migrate here from Mexico each spring, and they go back in late October, mid-November, about that time of the year. So that's when we see them. And the most dramatic of those emergences happens in August and September when the young pups join in with the moms and dads to pretty much double the numbers of bats. Uh, where to see them is really a lot of places in central Texas, some urban, uh, some are more rural, and then a few other spots. Some of the ones we talk about in the Wanderlist are the Congress Avenue Bridge in Austin. That's a very urban location. Um, there's uh, 1.5 million bats there, and that's the largest urban bat population in North America, believe it or not. And a whole lot of these bats uh, settled there in the 1980s. There were already a lot of bats, but when they did some remodeling and renovating of the Congress Avenue Bridge, they put in places where bats could roost. And so that really brought in a lot of bats. The bats brought in a lot of tourists. Uh, 140,000 people every year watch that bat emergence, and it also brings $10 million to the Austin economy. Another one is a lot more rural, the Devil's Sinkhole State Natural Area. That's way out in West Texas in Rock Springs, uh, 3 million bats there, and they fly out 50 to 75 miles every night uh, eating bugs and uh, doing all the great things that bats do every night. Then we've got one in a, a state park, Caprock Canyons. It's called Clarity Tunnel. It's an old abandoned railroad tunnel with half a million of these bats. 
Um, the pups aren't born in the tunnel, but they're born in nearby caves and bridges, and then they come back to the tunnel to do their flights. Another uh, state park tunnel is the Old Tunnel State Park uh, that's in Fredericksburg. It's been a home for three million uh, Mexican free-tailed bats and cave myotis bats. And that Old Tunnel State Park, it was actually an old railroad tunnel, right? Right, and it was abandoned in 1942, and that's, I guess, when the bats came and, and declared it their own. And uh, I've been there myself. It's a great place to go watch a bat emergence, and I believe there's a really fantastic hamburger joint right next door, which is very odd for being way out in the country like that. Yum, yum. Bats and burgers. Another big urban colony can be found at the Wall Drive Bridge. That's just two miles west of downtown Houston. And then there's um, a couple of more rural places, the Frio Bat Cave near Concan. If you've ever been out along that beautiful, icy, clear Frio River, there's a, a bat cave out that way that houses 10 to 12 million Mexican free-tailed bats. And then there's the Bracken Cave Preserve. That is the world's largest bat colony. It's on the northern outskirts of San Antonio. Bat Conservation International, we'll be talking about them the whole episode. They purchased the cave in 1991, and now they own nearly 1,500 acres of the ranch land surrounding it. Uh, there's so many others. Randall, we just can't talk about them all today. The Bamberger Ranch. There's one at the San Antonio Riverwalk, Kickapoo Cavern State Park, uh, more in Houston. There are lots of bat emergences. Even in my little hometown of Wimberley, we have bat emergences at our Cypress Creek Bridge now, and people are starting to come and watch. Are there any rules for watching bat emergences? Well, that might seem like a funny question, but there actually are. I mean, you don't want to upset nature. We want to be there as passive observers, but we're certainly not participants in any way. So things you should know, it's really unpredictable. Um, they don't like set a watch and the alarm clock goes off and off they go. So be patient, uh, keep your distance. You don't want to get too close and disrupt anything. Uh, don't touch, of course. Don't bring bright lights, no big flashes of your camera. That's gonna upset the, the occurrence of nature here. Of course, you don't want to bother the bat, so you want to keep your voice low as well. So how many species of bats live in Texas? And that was an Instagram question from Ms. Trouble in Mind and also from Jennings Buckle. You know, we have the highest number of bat species in the country, so that's pretty amazing. Of the 47 species in this country, we have 32 of them here in Texas. Uh, there's almost 1,400 worldwide, if you're interested. There are bats everywhere. Um, the most common here in Texas is the Mexican free-tailed which actually has the name Brazilian in there. That was what it was originally called. But I guess since they come from Mexico, they've sort of adopted what everyone else was calling them, the Mexican retail bat. Bats are so fascinating in a million ways. They're the second largest group of mammals in the world, second only to rodents. And bats belong to an order, I'm probably going to say this incorrectly, Chiroptera, and it's from the Greek two Greek words meaning hand and wing. Makes a lot of sense when you think about it because their forelimbs or arms, what would be arms on us, are actually those wings. And so they're the only mammals who can really fly in a true and sustained kind of way. And they're also one of the most diverse groups of animals on earth. There are all kinds of bats from very tiny to very large. Some look like little puppy dogs. Those are mostly fruit bats. 
And then there's those ones that in, eat insects. They have these really tight little faces. And then there's the pollinators who have to reach way down there into those flowers to get the nectar. So they have very long snouts. So you're going to see all kinds of bats in Texas, but most predominantly, and especially in these bat emergences, are the Mexican free-tailed bats. Wow, so I learned something. <laughs> I did not know it was <laughs> Chiroptera. How did you pronounce it? Chiroptera? <laughs> Chiroptera, I think. Hey, another Instagram question we got was, when is the common birthing season? And that came from Jody Parker. Well, there's a super short answer, and that is June. Exactly June. So the bats begin arriving in Central Texas in late February, and the females have already mated with the males and are already pregnant. And so they don't hibernate. They just migrate on north. And by summer, the male and female free-tails here have divided. They have bachelor colonies and they have nursery colonies. So the male bats, unlike some of our helpful species, the male bats do not help raise the babies. So they form these bachelor colonies that are relatively small where all the guys hang out together. Wow. And then there's the nursery colonies. And in contrast, these are very large, and they have up to millions of bats in these nursery colonies, each one. So the weird thing about bats is that they just have one baby every year. And this is also a conservation problem for them because, of course, if they lose that baby, they're not going to have another one until next year. Some species have, you know, tons of babies, bats, only one per year. So they all give birth at the same time, uh, peaking between the first and third weeks of June. Uh, sometimes that's different because of the weather, but that's basically when it is. And the newborn young, they're called pups, like the dogs, but they weigh nearly a quarter of their mother's weight and are often more than half as long as their mother. So you can imagine in human terms, it would be like giving birth to a 40-pound baby. Wow. In a cave while hanging? Really? Well, that seemed like the hardest part to me. I mean, birth's not easy, but hanging from a cave with maybe millions of other bats around you. So they give birth while clinging to the roost with both thumbs and one or both feet. And the babies are born naked, just like us, often with their eyes open. Now, as soon as the baby is born, the mother carefully cleans and nurses it, and it's you know, connected by its umbilical cord for a while. And what happens during this time is that the baby gets used to the mother's scent and voice. Because as you can imagine, the minute they get separated, they're going to have to find each other amongst all these millions of bats. So they have this really great clinging response, too. And they use their large feet and their thumbs to hold onto the walls and their little tiny teeth to hold onto their mothers and other bats. So scientists say that when they take a, try to take a single baby from a cave wall, as many as 15 can be pulled off because they're all attached to each other. Wow, we've got some pretty big bat nurseries in Texas, right? It's incredible when you think about all these millions of bats having babies all at the same time. It really pretty much doubles the whole population. Take Bracken Cave, the largest nursery in the world. They have 20 million free-tailed bats. And that's in their nursery cave, so it doubles when the bats give birth. So that's 20 million free-tail bats to 40 million free-tail bats. Wow, I'd like them to all come over to my house and eat all the mosquitoes that seem to come out about 6 o'clock. I know they eat a lot of mosquitoes, right? That's one of the best things about bats is they just eat tons, and I mean literally tons of 
of bugs like mosquitoes and plenty of other agricultural pests. Uh, they spread seeds. Uh, they just do all kinds of great things for us in so many ways. Next, Louie and I will discuss some very real threats to our bat population. But first... Support from Toyota allows us to bring you stories from under the Texas sky. Toyota has been a proud sponsor of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation since 2002, providing generous support to help the department provide outdoor programs for Texans and to conserve the wildlife of the Lone Star State. This is Under the Texas Sky's Wanderlist from Texas Parks and Wildlife. I'm Randall Maxwell. Wanderlist is a collaboration with Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine. Editor Louis Bond and I have been talking about bats in Texas, their biology and habitats. A few short years ago, a new danger to bat populations entered the United States and eventually made its way to Texas. And that's where Louis and I pick up our conversation. Another Instagram question, what is the current state of the white-nosed fungus epidemic? And that came from Hawkward Cosplay. That's a great Instagram name, isn't it? <laughs> so first I'll tell you what white-nosed fungus is all about. It's been called the most precipitous wildlife collapse of the past century. Those are serious terms. And because we have the highest number of bats of any state of the country, we're especially concerned here in Texas. In North America, almost 6 million bats have been killed by white-nose syndrome. And the reason they call it white-nose is that the fungus itself is actually white and collects around the snout of a hibernating bat. Once that becomes really irritating to the bat, it wakes up, and it wakes up too early because of it. So it's still cold outside. It doesn't have a layer of fat that it needs, and so it either starves to death or goes out to look for, you know, some food. We ran a story in our blog uh, back in March, I think it was, about the first case of white-nose syndrome in a Texas bat. That was a really remarkable uh, discovery. Um, it was a cave myotis bat in Gillespie County in central Texas, and that was in February. And up until this point, the fungus had been detected for a year or so, but there had been no signs of the disease. Um, but it's killed millions of hibernating bats in the eastern part of the United States. And the fungus itself is now in 21 Texas counties. So how did this white-nose syndrome get started, Louie? Well, no one really knows for sure, Randall. It's an old-world fungus. But one day, a little bit of that deadly organism, maybe it was just a spot on a spelunker's shoe, it made the leap all the way over the Atlantic and for some reason wreaked havoc on North American bats because they had no ability to combat it. When it was first discovered, it was... 2006 in upstate New York, and it was really deadly there. Wow, that sounds serious. Is there any hope for our Texas bats? There is hope, Randall. Our winters are much warmer, say, than in upstate New York. So many of our bats either don't hibernate or they don't hibernate as long. So it's hoped that they're going to be less susceptible to this fungus, which is very cold-loving. So 19 species of bats in Texas don't regularly hibernate. For example, the Mexican free-tailed bats, and these are the ones that we talk about in these emergences, they're primarily migratory. So we're hoping that it's not going to really cause high levels of mortality in species like these. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has been working really hard on white-nose syndrome, 
and they funded close to a million dollars of research to monitor projects across the state. So I got another Instagram question, and this is from Noel C. Shaver. Anything citizens can do to help with this white nose syndrome? Many of the things that we can do to help with white nose syndrome are the things that help bats in general. And the first thing that we can all do is to educate ourselves and educate others. Bats are diverse and beautiful creatures, and they coexist so perfectly with us. Some of the things that we can do uh, is to reduce our pesticide use. Um, we can take care of natural bat habitats like these caves. We can protect our water quality. The bats rely on that as well. And you can even build a bat house in your yard to help house some bats. There's a lot of great information on all the things you can do and debunking all those weird bat myths. And that's all on the Bat Conservation International website. And that's batcon, B-A-T-C-O-N.org. Wow, that almost sounds like a crime-fighting uh, website, batcon.org. <laughs> but on to another Instagram question. I want to try to get as much as we can in here. Can bats spread COVID-19? And this is obviously relevant now. And that was from Rudd Charles, by the way. I think that's a fantastic question. I know we all heard stories about maybe somebody ate a bat from an Asian market and that's how it spread to humans. I don't think they really have the answers to all of that now. Um, so I got my information from Bat Conservation International. They have they address uh, COVID-19 in several ways on their website. Uh, they say that bats are natural hosts to coronaviruses, including some that are closely related to SARS and these COVID viruses. Other wildlife can also be hosts to coronaviruses. So they're not really a threat to human health if you just protect bats and leave them undisturbed. Uh, they don't spread the disease among humans. Only humans spread COVID-19 to other humans. I think that's important for all of us to remember. Very good advice, Louie. Well, our last Instagram question is one of those many myths about bats. And this comes from Stovepipe Outdoors. They ask, can bats see? You know, Randall, this is a great question as well, because I think a lot of people assume that bats are blind, but they're not. They can, in fact, see quite well using their eyes. Now, most bats do have advanced ears, and that gives them a form of vision in the dark known as echolocation. I think that's what people are thinking about. So their good ears are wonderful, but it doesn't mean they have bad eyes. So bats use their good hearing to find food in the dark, and they use their good eyes to find food during the day. And their vision is tuned to low-light conditions. So they're really, they're really good at seeing in dawn and dusk light. And uh, they may not have as good color vision as we do, but their overall vision is better than ours, especially during those times at dawn and dusk. Wow, such great information, Louie. I really appreciate you spending the time with us and talking about bat emergences. So Randall, there's so much more information about bats and bat emergences. Um, you can look at our blog, tpwmag.com. You can look at our online articles at tpwmagazine.com. Or go back to Bat Conservation International at batcon.org. All great places to go answer all the rest of your bat questions. Thanks for your time, Louie. It's been great talking to you, Randall. We're done wandering for this podcast. But Louis Bond and I, or our executive producer, Cecilia Nasty, 
We'll be back with more fascinating things to see and places to explore in the Lone Star State. Before heading to any state park, historic site, or natural area, call ahead. Also, keep an eye on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Instagram account, which is at Texas Parks Wildlife. We'll use it to notify you of some of the wanderlust subjects we plan to cover in the weeks ahead and give you a chance to ask questions, some of which we'll answer on the podcast. Under the Texas Sky is a production of Texas Parks and Wildlife. We produce our Wanderlust series in partnership with Texas Parks and Wildlife magazine in the media production studios in Austin, Texas. Yours truly did our sound design. Whitney Bishop does our social media, and we get distribution and web help from Susan Griswold and Benjamin Kaling. Stream or download Under the Texas Sky and Under the Texas Sky's Wanderlist wherever you get your podcasts. And please, leave a review while you're there and let us know how we're doing and what you'd like to hear. Until next time, keep on wandering Under the Texas Sky. I'm Randall Maxwell. 